Hi, this is David Sweet, CEO and founder of Focus Core Japan. And if you were like many of the APAC leaders that I speak to, you're struggling in Japan to find the right talent. You get bombarded with irrelevant resumes or a lack of resumes altogether. I would like to invite you to discover the power of Focus Core's retained search. Let Focus Core help you swiftly secure top tier talent in this candidate short market. I'd like to invite you to shoot me an email and explore how we're different. And with a 100% refundable trial, we can revolutionize your hiring process today. Now, on to our podcast. Until it gets really cold and you're frostbitten. I have icicles hanging from my nose. Today, I'm joined by Corey McGowan, who's a coach, husband, father, and a bear dancer. Uh, after decades of searching, he found his true home in the mountains of Japan, and he's now answering the call to do powerful work in the service to the civilizational transformation that wants to emerge in these complex times. Uh, Corey's a professionally trained transformational coach and an experienced adventurer. He's using both of these to support leaders and other people around the world to express their fullest potential and co-create the lives they want to lead for themselves. Uh, he also is very active in supporting his town of Minakami and creating a vision for community development with the hopes of being a leader in solving the problem of rural depopulation in Japan. Uh, today, we'll discuss with Corey uh, how he got to where he's at, um, his path of moving from the corporate world into doing his, uh, running his own uh, successful executive coaching business. Uh, we'll talk about the difference between training and uh, coaching. And we'll talk about uh, community development and what he's doing up in Minikami. And uh, some routines and resources that have helped Corey. I think you'll find that this is a uh, energized and uh, wonderful uh, interview with Corey. He's in the mountains, uh, sitting outside, and uh, we'll try to post a link to uh, some video. Uh, the sound sometimes fades out because Corey is sitting outside and occasionally throwing snowballs for his dog to chase while we are in conversation. So you'll uh, hear that he is a true adventurer as well as a wonderful person to know. So without further ado, I bring you Corey McGowan. Today I'm here with Corey McGowan. Corey, thanks for joining me. Yeah, great to see you, David. Thanks for inviting me and for being with me today. So before we get started, um, for those of us who are listening, 
to us. Uh, please describe your surroundings because it's magnificent. Yeah. So I'm, first of all, fortunate enough to be sitting kind of in my front yard. Um, <laughs> and you may hear my dog barking in the background who wants me to throw a snowball for him. Um, but yeah, we're surrounded by a lot of white. We had our second good uh, snow of the season and it's been real cold. So the snow has that kind of crystalline texture to it, shining in the morning sun. Um, and about 30 or 40 meters away down below is the Tonegawa River. And that's looking pretty nice as well with some snow on the rocks. And uh, it's, it's low this time of year because they don't release the dams. Um, but yeah, I've got the river and some trees and, and uh, yeah, it's real nice, nice up surroundings. In, up in Winterland, Minakami. Yeah. So obviously we know each other well and have done uh, coaching courses together. And now you do coaching for, for me and my team. Uh, but for, before we get started, can you summarize your background and how you came to be living in Mon Minakami and becoming an executive coach? Sure. So I have been in Japan since 1999, basically the whole time. I had a, one quick uh, trip to the U.S. Um, and so all of my professional life has also been in Japan. Uh, I started off way, the way a lot of foreigners do here. I've done English teaching. Uh, I got into some recruiting as well. But then my path kind of went in a little bit of a different direction when I started working at an educational theme park called an edutainment theme park called Kidzania, which was a franchise out of Mexico, but uh, the first one outside of Mexico was in Tokyo. And so I came on there doing some English training initially, but then got to build my own programs and create new products in the park where kids came and used English. And um, that went really well. It's, um, I was there for about seven years and got to go to the director level. So I was one of the I was the first foreign foreigner as a director within that company. And that kind of showed me a lot about business. Um, mm. And it also showed me a lot about, uh, what's the kindest way to say this? Hold on, I'm going to throw a snowballer. He's never going to stop barking. Um, <clears throat> management practices that were questionable and at times downright um, verbally violent. Um, and just made me think like, why does this happen? You know, why, mm. why do people manage in this way? And so I started to learn a bit more about management and particularly organizational development, which is actually what my dad did in his career. And I didn't really know anything about until I just started studying it myself. And then from there was fortunate enough to actually get an organizational development role at Tokyo American Club. And that was great because I got to do a lot more work in English. My work in Kidzania had primarily been uh, in Japanese, except for the English programs I was creating, all the staff I was working with and the directors was all in Japanese. Um, so yeah, working in an English speaking environment in a really multicultural environment, this really cool uh, membership from lots of different industries. And um, so yeah, I got into organizational development there. Um, leadership development, um, training the management teams, doing strategic programs, and came across coaching kind of by chance. I was looking into the possibility of getting a master's in organizational development, and the coaching program, frankly, was just a heck of a lot cheaper, so I decided to give that a try. Um, and it was delivered by someone we both know, uh, 
a Kiwi guy here who had been in Japan a long time. And it was a really good program. Like the first time I remember very clearly one of the first uh, trainings that we had and doing some coaching practice, just feeling like, wow, this makes a lot of sense to me um, very quickly. It really resonated with me in a lot of ways. Um, and so from there, I, I um, got my certification and started coaching uh, internally at Tokyo American Club. I was coaching some of the management team and the directors there. I was also coaching some heads of NPOs in Tokyo as pro bono work. So I started to cut my teeth a bit in that way. Um, then I uh, <clears throat> moved out here and that had to do with a friend that I had met and starting to use his house out here and then realizing, wow, I could actually live here and do the commute. And my manager at Tokyo American Club at the time supported that. So I commuted for the first year and then uh, found a job out here uh, as a COO of a, an outdoor and adventure company called Canyons. And that was for me like, wow, kind of dream job, higher level management, overseeing lots of different operations, working in the outdoors, which I've loved for a long time. Uh, and with the onset of COVID and due to several other factors that kind of fell apart spectacularly after a year, a little bit less than a year. And that was really rough. Like it, um, <clears throat> it really messed with my confidence in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, it just, it just knocked me on my ass a bit. Uh, <clears throat> and then through actually hiring my own coach for the first time, I started to do a lot of my own work and kind of figure out what it was that I really wanted. And that helped me to figure out that coaching is something that I really wanted to do and I wanted to do it on my own and I could incorporate all the stuff that I love with outdoors and Minakami and kind of promoting this area and so in November of 2020 I launched uh, Adventure Partner my company uh, just me and, and my coaching practice and that's what I've been doing for the past year or so. Brilliant thank you for that yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's quite a path <laughs> um, we've shared some commonalities moving from HR and organizational development and then yep. into coaching. And I think we both uh, feel the why coaching is um, so much more significant than perhaps just uh, a, a one day training program. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let, let's, let's dive in that rabbit hole for a little bit, just yeah. for 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 fun what's um for you what's the difference between you know define because there's a lot of talk about executive coaching nowadays right yeah, yeah how do you define the difference between that versus a training program and maybe facilitation and then on second after that for um someone considering bringing someone in Mm. what's the what's the difference why, why would i go with one and not the other yeah thanks yeah i love that question and it's uh it's, it's a bit complex right mm. um so I, I would say kind of the first thing is anytime that companies are making an investment in their employees development is a good thing right so that's just like the overarching thing because it's it's shocking to me at times and uh, <clears throat> You know, I've, I've, as I said, I've only worked professionally in Japan, so I can't speak to other countries really, but it's shocking to me just how little companies do invest 
considering just how much evidence there is out there, what a difference it makes to invest it in your employees. So, um, so training uh, really has its place and I've done quite a bit of that myself. Um, but the way that it's often um, executed doesn't take much consideration into who are the different people in the room? What are their needs? What do they care about? Why are they there? Um, so it can, I would say kind of the, one of the biggest drawbacks to it is that it can have a very minimal lasting effect. Mm. You know, it, it can change things on the, on the short term, unless it's a very specific, like you have to learn this type of skill that you're going to be doing, you're going to be using every day, then that, that's really good application of training that will have more of a long lasting effect. But so much falls under the umbrella of training. Uh, and it's such a, it, it can become a, a bit of a box checking exercise while well, we're doing training. So therefore we must be developing our employees. Therefore we must be you know, a good place to work and all that. But um, if yep. it's lacking kind of meaning and real application for the employees, then uh, yeah, it's, it's not as effective or as helpful as it could be. Yeah, there's not a lot of, I mean, to have a proper learning development plan in place, for example, um, especially if it's individualized. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times companies just, some companies have the sophistication to put something in place, whether it's for a position. Yeah. But to get it down to an individualized level, it's, it's um, rare uh, globally. Yeah. And uh, I know in the U.S., um, when I was working in the U.S. doing organizational development, we would do it for position yeah. only, but uh, most organizations just do it hodgepodge. They're throwing mud against the wall, hoping it sticks, and it's yeah. just not uh, any thought around that. So yeah. if I'm a, a manager or an HR director and I'm thinking, okay, we need to do some development and... Um, they're listening to this. Would I choose? I mean, obviously, we got a couple of uh, proponents to coaching, so we're going to probably <laughs> fall on that side of the fence. I'm, I'm guessing. But uh, why would why would we we got? Let's put it on the there that hard skills probably doing a training session for hard skills very beneficial. Yeah. Uh, something that re repetitive that's that you need, right? Yeah. Um, why an executive coach? Yeah. Well, you know, just to relate this back to the training question, and again, this is this has just been my experience of it. But so much of what's happening around, like, what we're talking about here is development, right? And um, I don't know. I guess I haven't really thought about a definition of that. But you know, development is is just like getting your people to move to kind of a next level of. I don't want to only use the word performance, but that's often what we're talking about, right? Is, is how can how can people do what they need to do better and in, ideally in a way that's better for them and better for the, the company or the organization, right? So often what's happening with discussions around development is it's a group of leaders in a room talking about how shall we develop our people? Hmm. And it's so rarely turned back on them, right? Like, well, what are we doing for our own development? Like, oh, maybe we'll set strategy or maybe we'll talk about tactics or do these things that sound cool, but who are we as a leadership team and how should that change before we think about what's happening with our management team? It's, it's the less comfortable, more vulnerable uh, conversation, right? And uh, that's where executive coaching really comes in because executive coaching can be or it is so individualized. 
it so does take in the consideration of uh, each leader. Um, and it can be a really vulnerable process because mm. it's done one-on-one, -on -one, it's all confidential. Uh, and while the company can say, this is why we would like this executive coaching, in my opinion, the most effective way that coaching is done is that the, the person being coached, the client will set the agenda. So with the leaders that I work with, it's really not uncommon, in fact, quite common for the conversations that we're having in our executive coaching conversations to sound from an outsider like they're completely unrelated to work, like discussions about spouses and families and personal habits and these types of things that are like, how is this executive coaching? Um, but that's what, that's what people need. You know, it's, mm. it's what I love about coaching is it's meeting people where they're really at, not where, you know, the business plan says they should be at or their career plan or any of that. It's like, where are they really at so they can be with what is before they can move into what it is that they would want to create and hopefully as, as part of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've enjoy when doing coaching with people going in and where you enter is, is where a person's mind is at right away. Right. Yeah. And it, but what I also appreciate with executive coaching is that there's an overarching theme that tends that a coach is able to bring it back to similar to a sports coach, right? I mean, yeah. if I'm going out running, it's all about running. Now I might be working on, um, you know, intervals or, or speed work, but it's all still around, you know, how am I going to work on that marathon and yeah. that, that end goal. So even though they're coming in today and they're talking about decision-making and how that's going to work for their boss uh, conversation that they're going to have this afternoon, yeah. There's yeah. still that overarching, how does that fit in? Mm -hmm. And I, I always appreciate that. Yeah. Well, one of the we we had one of the concerns that I know that uh, I had going into coach and being an executive, yeah. being a manager of people going into coaching. One of the things that I hear is, well, I don't want to give coaching because it's just gonna get uh, my employees to leave. <laughs> or or i've heard people say well i just want to coach someone so that they can leave yeah uh, which yeah. you know just seems a bit uh talk a, a little bit around that well um i've been coaching people on your team for a year now and no one's left yet so <laughs> <laughs> so, so far we've we've avoided that um but hmm. Let's see. There is, it occurs to me that there is, there's quite a bit of faith in that the coaching will work. Mm. And part of that faith is that uh, if someone gets coached and they leave, that, that's actually the better thing for the company. And what the coaching allowed is for that to come out. Mm. Because otherwise, if, if you hadn't coached that person, you would have had someone on your team that actually didn't want to be there which is not, it's not uh, that can be quite expensive for the company as well, right? Yeah. So um, yes, that could certainly be an outcome. Um, but I would say the opposite is also true. Um, 
that if you're investing in coaching for your people, particularly people who are not kind of at the director, VP, top level of your company, um, it's a pretty impressive investment to be making in your in your people, right? Um, particularly, you know, in Japan still, it's a, you know, coaching is not as developed as it is in maybe the US or Europe. And so it's significant to be investing in that way. And, and I think most people realize like, wow, the company believes in me enough um, to be investing in a coach for me. Now that's a different conversation than remedial coaching, right? Where we need yeah. to coach you to, to fix you. And that's a kind of a different conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, this is just kind of my opinion and my approach to coaching, but if you're going to have someone be in a coaching relationship, you really have to be willing to have any outcome happen. And so it's, it's faith in the process. It's faith in that, that leader that you're having to be coached. Uh, but that's for me, that's kind of a, a true understanding of, of what coaching, if you, if you have a particular outcome for what the coaching is, then you're, then you're thinking that the person is going to be working with an advisor or a mentor or perhaps a trainer. Yeah, that's a, I think that's probably a good summarization of difference between part of uh, elements of coaching and, and training is that, yeah. you know, you have a specific outcome in, in mind that you're going to guide the, yeah. guide those people too. Yeah. 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 I mean, even the person in the coaching partnership, the client in the coaching partnership can think that they have a particular outcome set up for the coaching and it often will be different than that. Hmm. Um, and for me, that's a testament to um, the way that the, the coach works with the client is to uh, trust the client enough to really go where they need to go, even if it's different than what they thought it was going to be initially. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I think uh, just that, that openness, that openness to, to any outcome and believing also that any outcome is, is the right outcome for the leader and ultimately for the organization. That's great. I like that. The, let's, uh, let's, let's switch gears for a sec. Let's move from, uh, let's move to career. Right? So you went from corporate HR, yep. Kidzinia and uh, American club, and then you yep. jumped into your own gig. Yep. Let's, let's talk about that. that Cause that's a, Jumping in, I, I'm sure a lot of the listeners, you know, are thinking about starting up their own uh, company or, you know, you know, talk around that process. Sure. So I, I'm not someone, I would never classify myself as an entrepreneur, actually. And I'm not one of those people that thought, oh, oh someday I'm going to start my own thing. Um, so it was really kind of out of the blue for me. Uh, I support a family of four and I am, yeah, I'm in a lot of ways kind of mid to later part of my career. So it was not a, it was not a predictable outcome for me. And it was actually kind of thanks to COVID and some of the trauma that came with how I lost my last job that allowed all this to happen. Um, and not to mention uh, an incredibly trusting wife who kind of was, was, uh, was willing to take this leap with me after many conversations. Now, also, you know, I have been in my career for, you know, 15, 20 years already. 
Um, my wife had been working for a lot of that. So we were also in a financial situation where it wasn't, you know, wasn't a matter of not getting food on the table, um, at least, you know, for a year or two. So we had a bit of runway. So man, if you can have runway, um, that's awesome. Uh, particularly if you're, if you're supporting a family. Um, so there's, there's that part of it. And then there's just this, this, uh, the journey of like, can I really do this? You know, can I, can I really, can I really make this happen? And I think one of the biggest lessons for me so far has been like, the boy, the people that you know, will, and then that you've, you know, had, had relationships with over the years, will kind of rise to a level of support that might surprise you, you know, and that's been, uh, in particular, my experience with you is just like, wow, people show up in ways because they believe that you can, that you can do something. Um, and so in some ways, I would say part of it is actually just being willing to take that first step of putting it out into the world and saying, Hey, I want to do this thing. Mm. Cause if you don't do that, no, definitely nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of similar to what I was talking about with the coaching is also be prepared for any outcome, you know, yeah. like you may think it's going to go a certain way. It may also go a very different way than that. And that's, that's certainly been my experience so far. Um, I mean, I, I didn't have a super clear image of, of what I thought the, the company and the practice would be at the beginning. Um, but it's, it's definitely different than what I imagined it can be. And in, in mostly wonderful ways. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I would say having started three companies, I know that it definitely goes different directions and you never know yeah. what the outcome is. And sometimes it, one of the other things I found was going out of business and being bankrupt isn't the end of the world. Mm -hmm. um, you just start over. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, I would, I would always encourage someone if they have that inkling, you jump and the net will appear. Yeah. But, uh, I would also say, yeah, have a runway. Uh, yeah. Keep your, I had my, I kept my day job for a long time while I did yeah. the, what, what now they call the side hustle, um, yeah. which is uh, a good way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just speaking specifically of coaching, I'd love to add that, you know, one of my teachers, Adam Quiney, um, really is firm about if you want to get into coaching on your own, if that's if that's going to be your career, um, then just the how critical it is to make sure you have an income that is probably separate to the coaching initially, because otherwise, there's just no way you're not going to bring into the coaching conversation the fact that you need to hire that or you yep. need that client to hire you, you know? So um, that's, I think that's really wise advice. And so that's uh, probably true for, for other service based businesses as well. You don't want to bring in kind of a, a desperation into the conversation. Um, so if you can have some other funding, maybe it's, maybe it's even, maybe it's not a job, maybe it's a loan, you know, and, yep. In Japan, we don't we don't have equity on our on our homes, but if you're in another country, um, something like that, um, give yourself some runway so you can step into these conversations with people in a really genuine way. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that's, that's that's specific to coaching, but I applaud that. I think that's yeah. so important. I, being in recruitment as well, it's anytime 
I mean, that's why I like coaching too. It's individualized and you're, yeah. and it's working with people to help guide them. And if you're desperate for money and you're doing it for money, yeah, then it, the conversation gets a bit slanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that's where challenges arise. Now, I, I don't get me wrong. I think services all should get uh, compensated appropriately, yeah. but that's a side issue. I think the, the whole starting up gig is you do it for love and, and you find that uh, center first from that. Yeah. But yeah. you did, you did another big jump though. And uh, besides going into your own gig is taking a big jump from going to the city from being a city mouse to a country mouse. Yeah. Um, and I, one of the things that you've wanted to share was about community development in Minakami. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're with your backdrop there, that is not a, a background. Uh, that's <laughs> the real thing. It's not, a zoom, it's not a zoom background there. You, you've got the real <laughs> thing, but it looks, you look like you're in a painting, right? It's, it's so elegant. Um, talk about uh, community development in Minakami. Yeah. So people living in Japan, maybe most likely are familiar with this. Um, but Japan has a real, um, social issue of rural depopulation has has for a while, uh, and so coming up with um, kind of plans for rural revitalization is something that interests me a lot. So I've lived almost half my life in Japan now. I will probably live the rest of my life here, and wanting to be somehow a, a contributing, uh, if not citizen, at least resident here uh, is really important to me. And the opportunity to move to Minakami was partly just about um, me being an outdoors person and growing up in a rural area and wanting to come back to that. But it was also really about uh, my two sons uh, understanding kind of what what community is, you know, and, and getting a sense of that that was different than than Tokyo. And it's not to say we didn't have community in Tokyo, but it's different than living in a in a local community. So I wanted them to see that. And Minakami has this really interesting mix of uh, a place that has had foreigners here for more than 40 years because of the outdoor scene. So it was very easy to assimilate into as a half foreign, half Japanese family. Uh, and wanting to, thinking more and more about like, how do I make this a place that my sons and their kids would want to, if not live in forever, come back to? You know, how do we make it a, a place for them? Um, and possibly even further, you know, the, there's the Native American thinking of, of thinking about seven generations out. So kind of similar to that idea of like, how do we make this a place for um, our kids and their kids' generations? Um, and kind of a, a best outcome for me is that if Minakami could do that in a way that becomes a model for other rural communities. Uh, and Minakami does really well with it. I mean, they have, I don't know how kind of the, the funding works for this stuff, but within, within Guma, um, which is the prefecture that we're in, they, they have quite a bit of funding hmm. um, to support that type of thing. And one of the things that I do here is what's called a relocation concierge. So um, this, I believe this started even before COVID, but it's, it's definitely ramped up with COVID is that more and more people are considering a, an alternative lifestyle like this and have the opportunity to do that because of uh, the you know, growing uh, remote work scene. And so what that role is, is when people wanna move here, they contact the town 
and the town will then take them take them on a tour or something. Um, we'll take them around town, introduce them to different people in the community, different businesses, um, possibly show them different areas where they may want to consider, you know, renting or buying a home or something. And so Minakami already had three or four Japanese people doing that role. And they asked me to do the role because of the foreigners that are here and foreigners that inquire about Minakami. So, um, that's one thing that I'm doing right now. And then separate from that, uh, me and a, a Canadian friend have actually started talking about an actual community development program outside of kind of the official town office, because the town office tends to be um, quite bureaucratic. They kind of move slowly. It's, you know, they don't, they don't have, they don't see themselves as, as having a lot of options. So we're thinking of kind of this real grassroots like vision building project. Like what do we want Minakami to be like again for our children's children. So we're kind of thinking of like the 2050 type idea. And this is really just in the initial stages of it, but we want to recruit people from the local community to start having kind of these town halls and discussions about what kind of a Minakami do we want to create. So again really early stages but um really excited about um projects like that and trying to have some kind of an impact that ideally has have an impact in japan as well you know that's great it's very yeah. forward thinking it's fantastic mm. with um for yourself what are some routines or resources that help you as a as an individual so uh like yourself i've uh, been a runner for a long time so that's kind of a go-to um i do do you uh, run in that snow uh, sometimes yeah <laughs> it's a little bit uh running on the roads here is a little bit sloppy this time of year because of the snow melt and slush and all that um but i'm uh i'm a trail runner as well so getting out onto the trails and actually running in this kind of snow on the trails is really pleasant um so yeah my kind of my my routine is some form of exercise, which is usually running or some other uh, resistance training that I do at my house or this time of year, it's like skiing. Um, so getting out for that. I have been practicing mindfulness meditation for 20 or 30 years in kind of different, different ways. And actually since COVID hit, it's probably been the most regular practice that I've had uh, over the past two and a half years or so. So I start my mornings with that most days. Uh, I do a bit of journaling as well. And um, that serves me in the morning as a way to kind of get my head together, or um, I often refer to it as throwing up on the throwing up on the page. <laughs> because I wake up in the mornings like with jumbled head or in a shitty mood or something. And just like, it's a way to kind of to get it out and kind of to kind of clear myself a bit. So those those three kind of the, the fitness routine, uh, the meditation and the, the journaling practice are the things that um, when I don't do them, like on vacation periods like this, I've, I've got the week off now and I do it a bit less. Um, and I realize like, it's not something that I feel like I have to do. It's something that it feels like missing a little bit, right? So it's, it's nice to be able to get to a routine where it's that type of relationship with it where it's like I ha not like I have to do this to improve myself or I have to do this because other people are doing it or whatever the reasons are. Um, so yeah, those are those are kind of three of my kind of core personal routines, if that's what you meant. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like uh, 
giving people things that they can try out uh, for for their world that helps helps them uh, succeed as well. But yeah. uh, I don't think we want to leave without uh, you. Have one of your uh, taglines is bear dancing. Um, <laughs> yep. What, to, look, why is that? <laughs> So a year ago, it was 20, uh, August of 2020, I was taking a walk about 10 minutes from here. And uh, yes, I encountered a bear and we had a bit of a dance together. Um, I intentionally don't use language like uh, attacked or mauled um, because thanks to that experience, I've learned quite a bit about uh, bears in Japan being uh, in danger of extinction. Uh, because mm. there is very little regulation around how many bears are killed here and there's no relocation programs. Um, and actually, you know, when bears encounter humans, the thing that they want to do most is to get away from humans um, and wow. generally only will, um, will only harm humans if they're surprised. And that was, so that was my mistake. I was out for a quiet walk and stepped just off the road a bit and didn't have bear bell or make any noise or anything and it was a it was a mother hiding in the bush with her cub somewhere else she just did a very a very um natural thing and it was uh in the moment kind of what i will never forget the most about it is after she took me down she stepped back into the woods and turned around again and faced me uh and just stayed you know and then allowed me to get away it's just like this, um, this understanding of naturally occurring mercy, you know, with, within nature. Like I've, I've kind of given you my message, and and now, you know, please go away. <laughs> and so it was, uh, it was really, um, it was kind of a, a deep experience in that way. Like mercy is a very naturally occurring thing. Great. Yeah, it's, it's a good story, and I, I like the the takeaways with that especially you know the and i think any any stranger walks into your house uh mm -hmm. you would you'd slap them around a little bit to to get them out right yeah. um so that's i like how you you message that with mercy and and around the the semiotic relationship with with nature and and i think that's important and it's important to have a, a bear bell it's a big takeaway for or clap your hands or have your phone going in your pocket with some music or something um because the life you save will actually probably be the life of that animal so the yeah. bear the bear that i met was trapped and killed and so left a cup without a mother and, and uh, that's the way it goes in japan um and by the way there's a really cool organization the way i've learned all this stuff uh it's called kumamori uh, Kuma means bear and Mori means forest. And so it's mm. an organization that protects the bears. And one of the ways they do that is by making forests healthier so that bears don't need to come where people are. So that, that you know, that they're kind of the seeds and the nuts that they need uh, in the mountains. So it's a great organization to support if you're interested. That's great. Well, thank yeah. you. We'll share, a, we'll share a link in the the podcast notes. Yeah. So um, you know that you can't go through all this without allowing me to ask a question too, right, David? I mean, I'm oh, coach. Sure. I can't, I can't sit through it. a whole thing without getting to ask a question. And uh, I don't think I've asked you this, but I've been having a bit of fun with it over the past few weeks. And that is this year, 2021, is the year of the ox, yeah? Yeah. 
and next year is the year of the tiger, according to the Chinese zodiac, right? So um, how has this year been an ox for you? And how do you want next year to be a tiger? Wow, okay. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I haven't thought about either of those. I haven't even thought about your being tiger, except uh, my, the, uh, both my, I have one son and my wife are both tigers. Oh, nice. Um, I would say that a lot of this year for myself was an ox in the way that I had to um, labor um, mm -hmm. and pull like a, an ox would through a field. And so it felt like work, not disagreeable work, but it was more a labor. And, um, and so I would say that's how it was very much like an ox. Um, I'm hoping that the new year will be tasty like an ox as well. And we'll just <laughs> barbecue it. Um, sorry to my vegetarian friends who are listening. And then I would say for a tiger, I, I think one of the things and uh, being in recruitment, I think the thing that's going to be important to me is what I can do to have a, a higher fee line with what we charge our clients. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, no, you didn't. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Sorry, I, I was going to <laughs> drop that, but I decided I wasn't going nice. to. Nice. Anyway, I think we should probably leave that there. And uh, if people want to reach out to you and find out more mm -hmm. about you, obviously we'll have all of your links in the yeah. meeting notes, but where's the best place to, to find out more about Corey McGowan? Yeah, uh, so I have a website. It's uh, adventure-partner.net. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn and I'm on Instagram under Corey Adventure Partner. Uh, and I would just love to send out an invitation to anyone that's interested to come and check out Minakami, whether it's coaching related or not. Um, I will also be running my first outdoor coaching uh, team program this year uh, that will have a few visits to Minakami. So if there are leadership teams out there that are looking for a combination of executive coaching and adventure, uh, I'd really love to have you be part of that program. Great. Thank you. And uh, just as a testimonial, um, not only am I a, a guest, but I'm also a user of uh, Corey's practice. So just as uh, I find that it's uh, you're very insightful, well um, educated and with a strong depth within in the field. And I always feel very comfortable uh, relating uh, to you as well as uh, recommending others to you. So uh, I, I thank you for that and thank you for your comments today and uh, glad to have you on board. Yeah, it's been really fun. Thanks, Dad. Thank you, sir.